Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Pastor Charles Neiman. Thank you for coming tonight. Tonight we are beginning, as I said in our prayer, a four-week teaching on the subject that, that uh, we came up with, Jared and Shannon and I, called Dollars and Cents, S-E-N-S-E, Dollars and Cents, as in cents. <laughs> and why would we ask you to come and give us, over the next four weeks, an hour and a half here in church, the service lasts an hour and a half, and then we have time it takes you to get out, get your kids, get your car, drive back home. That's probably anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes to an hour. And then whatever time it took you to get here. So could we say three hours? Maybe more? Some of you are thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm going to come back now and he put it like that. I, I didn't realize I was investing that much time. Well, I realize it. And that's why I always thank you for coming. The reason why we're going to, we're asking you to do this and we're going to spend a lot of time and it's going to be a little different maybe than, than what I've, I've taught on prosperity before here at church and, and, and said some things to you about it and, and I think has been a blessing to you in the past, but we're going to add some new elements this time and look at it from a different thing. But a part of what brought this about was I want to give you tonight some statistics concerning the condition of the American family financially today. And when I saw this, it, it really just, I mean, I've kind of known it, but when you see it printed and you see it laid out, it's, it's really kind of shocking. The average American family savings account balance as of today is $3,800. The percentage of working Americans who are not saving for retirement is anywhere from 36 to 40%. Let me say that again. The percentage of working Americans who are not saving for retirement is anywhere from 36 to 40%. The percentage of American families who have no savings at all is 25%. Average amount Saved for retirement is $35,000. The average American household debt is $117,951. The average American home value is $160,000. The average amount owed on a home mortgage is $95,000. The average American household annual income as of today is $50,500. The average American credit card debt is $15,500. I remind you that on those you're paying anywhere from 20 to 25% interest. Percentage of Americans who postpone their retirement age this year, 24%. They cannot afford to retire. Percentage, of, uh, percentage surveyed who are very confident about having enough money for retirement, 18%. Percentage of Americans who do not have a bank account, 7%. Percentage of American adults who have an emergency fund to fall back on, 27 to 38%. 24% of that 27 to 38% have only six months of expenses saved. 50% have only three months of expenses saved. Now, if you don't quite understand what the danger of that is, that means that a huge percentage of the American people are literally three months from being homeless. If they lost their jobs, in three months, they would no longer be able to pay their bills and they would be in danger of becoming homeless as soon as the process caught up with them. They could not sustain their lifestyle. 33% of American workers will rely solely on Social Security for retirement. 
a system that we are continually being told may go bankrupt. It's time to face some facts. And I'm not here to beat you up or I'm here to throw some light on your path and to let you know that in this battle to get to a place of financial security, that God wants to help you. That he wants to get in this battle with you and give you the victory. And to add to your natural, his supernatural. And to help you get to where you can handle what comes down the road. And that if you're one of those Americans that, we just, that was described on this statistics, that maybe technically speaking, I know it would take longer, but technically speaking, you're months away from being homeless. If you and your spouse lost your jobs, in three months you wouldn't have any more money. And we see it all the time, don't we? And we see it happen to really good people. And so what we felt in our hearts to do was to come and present to you God's supernatural and how God's supernatural can affect your natural and bring about the end result to where you're getting to where God wants you to be and you're not working against him, you're working with him. Does that sound good? All right, so my job tonight is to lay the foundation for the house. The house is only as good as the foundation upon which it's built, right? And so we gotta lay a solid foundation. And my job tonight is to get you to where you are actively believing that it is God's will that you prosper, that you do well. And not just because we'd like for him to say it, but because he has said it. And not in a verse that we've taken out of context and twisted around and make it say something we wanted to say, but that we have lots of verses so that our souls are strong in this reality. All right, if you've got your Bible with you tonight, turn with me to Galatians, the third chapter. Are you ready to rock and roll? Galatians chapter three. Those statistics are somewhat sobering, aren't they? Wow. Galatians chapter three. Let's go to verse 29 tonight. Galatians 3, verse 29. Everybody got it? All right. Paul writing and he says, and if you be Christ, if you be Christ, that word Christ, there's the possessive tense of, of, of the word, right? If you be Christ, or in other words, if you're in him and he's in you, if you belong to him, let's say it another way. If you are a child of God, if you be Christ, if you have been bought by him. How many of you tonight say, Pastor, that's me. He's talking about me in Galatians 3.29. Can I see your hand tonight? I belong to him. He belongs to me. Come on. Amen. I, I'm, I'm a child of God. How, how do you know you're a child of God? What, how do you know that? I'm waiting for you to answer. Because you asked Jesus into your life, right? You confess him as Lord and Savior, right? Right? You've been born again. All of, the, all of those answers are correct. Okay, so you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you've been born again, then you become Christ. You belong to him, he belongs to you. He now, Paul said, you have been bought with a price. Okay, so, so now you have said, if you be Christ, then, he says, then you are Abraham's seed. So then you are Abraham's seed. Now that verse refers back to the statement that he makes earlier in the chapter where he talks about Christ being in verse 16, and to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he said, not to seize as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. 
So when God made the promise to Abraham, he made it to Abraham in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, God made it to Abraham and his seed. Paul reveals to us that the seed there was not the natural seed of Abraham because it didn't say seeds plural, it said seed singular. So the promise was in fact to Christ because Christ's flesh was in Abraham. Still with me? Right, because Abraham was gonna have Isaac, Isaac was gonna have Jacob, Jacob was gonna have 12 sons. One of those sons was Judah and out of Judah would come the Messiah, right? And so Jesus was born in, in, the, in the line of Judah. He got his flesh from the line of Judah. So he was the seed to whom God made the promise. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed? And it's singular once again, just like it was when God made the promise back in the original time. So what he's saying is the same promise I made to Jesus because you are in him and he's in you, I'm making the same promise to you. All right, so the same promise that was made to Abraham and to Abraham's seed, which is Christ, because you are in Christ, that same promise has come to you. And he said, therefore, he said, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, what's beautiful about the word heirs is that if you look it up, and I already did say, thank you, pastor. You're welcome. All right. So if you look up the word heirs, the word heirs means you have it in your possession. You have it in your possession. That's an important distinction. And I pointed out to you because many of us, when we think of heirs, we think about something we will get someday by and by. But this reality is a little different. If you be Christ, then you already have the promise in your hand. You already have the promise in your hand. It's not a promise you're going to get. It is a promise that is now in your hand because you are in Christ. Because Christ already got the promise and because you're in Christ, then you have the promise also. Amen. All right? Now, these are truths that, that the best way I can describe it to you is that when I discovered this years ago, Rochelle and I sunk our teeth into this like a pit bulldog would sink its teeth into something, all right? And we sunk our teeth into it. And we began to believe this all the way down. And the way I can describe it to you now is that now, it, over the years, my, our decision to believe this and my continued decision to believe it is now down to my DNA level, I believe. I believe if you looked in my DNA, you would see Galatians 3.29 in there somewhere, all right? It is down to my DNA level. I don't worry about it. I don't doubt it. I don't think about it anymore. Uh, if you were to ask me, it would just come out of me, right? I'm in Christ, and because I'm in Christ, I have in my possession the promise, all right, now what was the promise that God made to Abraham and, and thereby made to Christ and thereby made to you? The promise is in Genesis chapter 12, verses one, two, and three. God gave to Abraham and said, I will bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you. I well, as for me, God said, Abraham was just a guy walking around, all right, wandering around, trying to find the land that God told him to. And, and listen, can I say this to you tonight? Abraham was an incredible man, incredible man, great man of God. And God told him, he said, look, he said, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to go to this place. And just to help you understand tonight what God can do with you is that Abraham walked right through the promised land, walked right through it, walked right through through it and went out the other side. And God had to turn him around and bring him back. That gives me such hope. I said, well, why does that give you so much hope, Pastor? Because it says to me, you don't have to be just the sharpest pencil in the box. I mean, the brother walked right through the place God told him to go. He just walked can you imagine? He just walked right through it. But then he turned around and came back. And God still called him the father of faith. All right? So he said, I will bless you. As for me, as for me, I will bless you. You. Now remember, he wasn't only making that promise to Abraham, he was making that promise, in fact, to Christ. But not only was he making it to Jesus, he was making it to you. 
And that promise is, God says, as for me, I will bless you. You know, I've read the Gospels many times in my life, and I'm sure I'll read them many more times, right? I've read the Gospels many times. Not one time do I ever read where Jesus woke up in the morning and said, Father, today I hope you will bless me. Do you know why I never said that? Well, because he's Jesus. No, because he had the promise in his possession. Every day when he woke up, he knew he was blessed. Why? Because he had the promise in his possession. God said, I will bless you. And because you are in Christ, you also need to think. You need to program your brain. You need to get your thinking correct. You need to change your channel. You need All those things that Tim's story has said to us, you need to get your brain going in another direction and you need to get out of the spiritual world of begging God to bless you, hoping God will bless you, wondering if he's going to bless you, hoping and praying that maybe he will bless you, wondering if you've done enough Bible things in order to get God to bless you, and you need to just settle down, sit down in the rest of God tonight, and change your confession and change your outlook that from now on, I'm not worrying about being blessed. I am blessed because I am in Christ, and because I'm in Christ, I have in my hands the promise. And the promise is, as for me, God said, I will bless you. I will bless you. Now, here's an interesting thought. We have learned in previous studies that in the original, in the Hebrew language, which the Old Testament was written in originally, that one of the words used to describe how the blessing of God works is that the blessing of God was described that, that when your life was blessed, it would flow like a river. All right? So the blessing of God is like a river flowing. All right? So it's like a river flowing. Okay, now I want you to imagine, right? See, now, remember Colossians, the first chapter says that whenever you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that you are delivered from the kingdom of darkness and you are translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's another thing. You don't have to pray that his kingdom come and all his kingdom's already here. Jesus said it's here. In fact, he said it's in you. All right, so in that kingdom, right, imagine... Imagine with me that there is a river called blessing. Right? And so the only thing is, well, you get in the river. Well, you get in the river. Or are you going to let people talk you into standing on the side? Or will you talk yourself out of, well, I don't deserve to get in the river. It's not about deserves as you'll see in a few moments. All right, now back to the point. So it is God's declaration over my life and your life that tonight, right here, right now, sitting in this sanctuary, when you drive home tonight, when you wake up tomorrow morning, tomorrow at lunch, tomorrow night when you go back to bed, next Christmas, next Easter, next 4th of July, 10 years from now, Every day that you wake up, you can say, I am blessed. Because God does not change. Now, politics come and go, and economies come and go, and congresses come and go, and sometimes we wish they'd just go. <laughs> oh, that's just me, amen. Sorry. All right? or some of them. Anyway, back to the point. All right? So you have in your possession, right? But God does not change. People change, situations change, things change. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 10. Let's focus on this point right here tonight. All right? Proverbs 10. Proverbs chapter 10. Now watch this. 
How many of you would say tonight, Pastor, I agree with you right now, I am blessed. How many of you would say that tonight? Say it out loud with me. I am blessed. I am blessed. Why are you blessed? Because you're in Christ, right? 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 You are Christ, right? And you have in your possession what? The promise. And what is the promise? I will bless you. God said, ask for me. I will, I will, I will bless you. I will bless you. No, Pastor, no, no, you don't, you don't understand. You see, I, I, God, God won't bless me because I messed up over here. You want to read mess up? Go read Abraham. You ever heard of Ishmael? That was a major mess up. We're still paying for that mess up. Right? What about the two times he lied to kings and told them that his wife was his sister? I mean, come on, man. God said, as for me, as for me, I will bless you. Now watch. So how many of you agree with me tonight? You am blessed. Amen. Amen. Okay, now watch. There's a point here. Watch. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord. Do you have that blessing? Do you have that blessing? Does that blessing belong to you? Do you have it in your possession? Is it yours? Come on. I'm asking you a question. Is it yours? Have you taken possession of it? Is it does it belong to you? Pastor, I don't know if I should say it. Well, then get saved. Well, I am saved. What do you mean? You saw me get saved. I've been here for 20 years. Well, then if you're saved, then you have it. It belongs to you. It's in your possession. See, this is how you got to get your mind renewed. You need to get your thinking straight. You need to get out of that bad religious thinking where you're always trying to measure up, always trying to size up, always trying to get God. And the reality is you never can. It's not about that. It's about him and it's about Christ. And you get in on it because it's between him and them, him and him. It's between the two of them. And because you're in Christ, you get what's going on between the father and the son. All right. Now he said the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord. The word Lord there is Yahweh. This is the blessing that comes with Jesus. When Jesus is in your life, this blessing comes. The blessing of the Lord. What blessing is that? I will bless you. The blessing of the Lord. Read it out loud. What is the next part? It maketh rich. King James text. Somebody's translation says it brings wealth. Now, if there is any religion in you, we just found it. Because this is one of those heat-seeking missile verses right here. Only this one attacks religious, bad, upbringing, teaching. That somehow God loves his children to be broke and sick and beat down. What are we going to do with this verse? Well, he's not talking about riches there. He's talking about spiritual things. Oh, yeah? Okay, I looked it up. You knew that was coming. (laughs) All right, write this down. The word blessing there, you're going to like this. The word blessing there means God's favor, God's benefit. God's favor, God's benefit. God's, say it with me, God's favor, God's benefit benefit. Can anybody in here tell me another word that has the word favor in it that we use all the time in the Bible? Grace, right? So God's blessing is in effect God's grace hitting your life, right? 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 Because God's grace is God's favor, okay? So God's favor, God's benefit maketh Rich. I looked it up in the Hebrew English dictionary. The word rich means, and I read it to you in its entirety, means to become wealthy in money, possessions, or influence. To become wealthy in money, possessions, or influence. All right. So what produces that? What produces that? 
God's blessing. The river flows. And as the river flows and you're in the river, then the river will produce this in your life. God's favor, God's benefit will make you wealthy, right? Where? Where? In money, possessions, or influence. Money, possessions, or influence. Now, I know, I know, and I've got to say this. I know, I know, this is hard on a lot of church people. It is hard. And some of you are having a real struggle that a preacher is using these words. I know you are. I know you are. And I'm, I understand. I'm not upset with you. I know you're, you're struggling with it. I know. But that's what it says. And you can go look them up yourself. And you're going to get the same definitions that I got. And so what are we going to do with it? Because I'm telling you right now, you and I can get in a fight about it. And you can get mad and you can leave. And tomorrow morning, that verse is still going to be in the book. And tomorrow morning, when you get out your Hebrew English dictionary and look up that word, Rich, it's going to read the same way it read tonight. Because God ain't changing to suit you and me. We're changing to suit him or we're going to stay out of the river. And we're going to be convinced that walking down the bank is better than being carried by the river. Amen? Now, interesting that God would use the word money, possessions, or influence. Why? Because a lot of times in life, influence is more valuable than money. Right? Sometimes it's better to be wealthy in possessions, things you possess. Hmm? I know a lot of guys, a lot of guys that would give a lot of money, a lot of money, a lot of money if they could just get their family back together. If they had that in their possessions. Hmm? God covers them all. He wants to use his favor to produce all of that in our lives. Okay, good illustration time. Use it many times. How many of you got kids? How many of you got children? Let me see your hands. Or grandchildren? Oh, if you got children, you got grand. If you got grandchildren, you got children, don't you? All right. So you got kids, right? How many of you want your kids to have this? How many of you would be thrilled if you came down to the end of your life and your kids were wealthy in money, possessions, or influence? Come on, how many of you would be thrilled with that? Wouldn't you be thrilled with that? Yeah. Whoo, you'd be thrilled with that. Man, I love it when my kids, their influence increases. You know, I love the way my kids have stepped up here in the last seven or eight months and, and, and the gift of God that's working in their life and the influence that's flowing in their lives now. I love it. You know, and they're getting invitations and people are coming to them and, you know, they're, I mean, it's beautiful, right? Their influence. What is that? That's the blessing of the Lord. Do we all agree on that? See, we don't argue when it comes to influence. Well, why do we argue over the rest of the definition? You shouldn't. Your father's fine with it. If he's fine with it, you can be fine with it. I said, if he's fine with it, you can be fine with it. He wrote it. I didn't write it. You didn't write it. We didn't put Proverbs 10, 22 in there. It was there long before we were born. Nobody even knew we were coming except him. So he wants to bring this about in our lives, right? But look at the rest of the verse. He said, and he adds no sorrow with it. 
So what he reveals to us here is that the blessing of the Lord makes this happen and he can make it happen with no sorrow added to it. Now I was meditating on that today. I looked up the word sorrow and it means physical pain or emotional pain. You know, a lot of times if the blessing of the Lord is not working in your life, you can become wealthy in money, possessions, or influence, but it can come at a cost. It can come at a cost of physical pain or emotional pain. We've all heard about or maybe even known people that got great financial wealth or lots of possessions and lost their families as a result of it. And today they have enormous emotional pain or they even lost their health as a result of trying to get influence or this or that or or whatever. How many of you understand, right? And they have tremendous emotional pain or even physical pain. God recognizes that and he says, look, children of mine, Abraham's seed, I am going to cause my favor to come upon your life. Your life will flow like a river. And as a result of that, you will see this increase in your life. You can have this increase in your life, right? And I won't have, there won't be this sorrow added to it. You know, there's so much of this that goes on in our society, in our history, that we have even come up with sayings to try to explain it. Out in the natural world, we've come up with sayings. You'll hear people say, well, you know, that that brother did really good over there, but he's going to have to pay it back over here. Right? He's going to have to pay it back over here. You know, there's the yin and the yang. Right? It's just kind of this thinking that, that, you know, if, if, if you gain you're going to have pain. God says, I can help you to gain and there'll be no pain added to it. This is the result of God's favor. Amen? Now, let me say it. I think we all know it. That doesn't mean you get to sit up at the house and eat Hershey bars all day and God's going to just make you, you know, make Bill Gates envy when he looks at you. That's not going to happen. Okay, so there is with that phrase, no sorrow to it. There is the idea in the original text that there's an ease that God's favor makes this richness flow. There's an idea of the supernatural working on your effort, working on what you're doing. There's a supernatural to it that causes there to be a flow, amen, like a river, a flow, a flow. You know, when you get in the river, you don't have to make the river work. The river works. Okay, what you don't want to do is try to swim upstream or across stream. You want to go with it. Cooperate with the river. Okay? All right, now turn to me to Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. Verse 18, have you got it? But you shall remember the Lord, Yahweh, Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he, it is he, it is Jesus that gives you power to get wealth. It is he that gives you power to get wealth. Now, I am going to make no attempt to define wealth to any of you. Because if I've learned anything in my 60 plus years of life, is it what one man's wealth is another man's non-interest? Right? What, what may be important to me may not be important to you. What is important to you may not be important to me. But it doesn't have to be important to me. So long as it's in line with God's word, God's will, God's kingdom, God wants you to have it. See, you may, you may want to go to Disney World five times a year. I don't. <laughs> Went once. Don't care to go back. Love Disneyland. Don't like Disney World. Too hot. Too many bugs. <laughs> Too big. 
Take me to Disneyland, California, the land that flows with milk and honey. Florida, the land God forgot. That's my experience. And all the people watching on Florida online just went, click. But God will give you the power to get it. To get it. To get it. For it is he that has given you the power to get it. Why? Rest of the verse. So that he may establish his covenant. Which he swear unto your fathers as it is this day. That brings us to the rest of the blessing. For I will bless you so you can be a blessing. Charles Neiman translation of Genesis 12. I will bless you and you will act like me. I will bless you and you will imitate me. I will bless you and you will show me to other people by the way you bless them. I'm going to take you to the God kind of life. John 10, 10, I've come to give you the God kind of life. I've come to give you the God kind of life. I've come to give, that's what it says in the Greek text. I've come to give you the God kind of life. We're going to make it possible that you humans can come up to our level of living. Beautiful. Wow. Okay, real quick, go with me to 2 Corinthians. Can we believe for all this in the New Testament? Can we believe for this in the New Testament? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We've got to have a good foundation, right? All this is nice, good teaching, but we've got to prove it scripturally. If not, it's just nice. We don't need nice. We need scriptural. Scriptural produces nice. Okay? 2 Corinthians 8, look at verse 9. Have you got it? For you know the grace, the what? Grace. The grace. Have we heard that word grace already tonight? Where did we hear the word grace? Where do we hear the word grace? What verse? Proverbs 10, 22, right? For the blessing or God's favor, God's grace, God's benefit, right? So now he's back talking about God's grace, right? Come on, talk to me. You only got five minutes. Come on, how many? Come on, stay focused. Don't, don't, don't drift off now. Don't let your blood sugar take you out. Come back. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What came with Jesus? Grace and truth. Grace and truth came with Jesus. John 1, 17, the law was sent by Moses, but grace and truth came by, was, was given by Jesus Christ, right? So Jesus brought us grace, 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 for you know, for the grace of the Lord upon your life maketh rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though he was rich, though he was rich. The word rich there means happy, prosperous, lacking nothing. Happy, prosperous, lacking nothing. That describes the three and a half year ministry of Jesus as we know it, right? Happy, prosperous, Lacking nothing. Does your master pay taxes? Of course he does. Master, Peter, go down and catch, catch a fish and in the fish's mouth you'll find a coin. Take the coin and pay your taxes and mine. That's a man that lacks nothing. You go fishing and get the money to pay your taxes? Come on now. Come on now. Come on. Right? Wow. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. The word poor means he was reduced to the state of having to beg. Oh, Jesus never begged. No, you don't think so? When he was on the cross and he said, can somebody please give me something to drink? He lost everything. Now, who did he do that for? Himself? Was he up on that cross for himself? No, he's up on that cross for you. And now we understand what he was doing. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty, the word poverty there means so that you through him becoming a beggar, you might be rich. For the blessing of the Lord maketh? For the blessing of the Lord maketh? Rich. And what is the blessing of the Lord? For the grace of the Lord, the grace of Jesus maketh rich. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is that he was made to be poor. He became a beggar so you could get back to your place of being rich. So that you could go from being outside the family into the family. So you could become a child of God. So you could become an heir of God. So you could become the seed of Abraham. So you could have what he had. Amen. So you could possess it. I don't understand it. And you know what? I don't have to understand it. Nobody asked my opinion. Nobody asked your opinion. But for some reason, on the same afternoon that Jesus paid the price for our sins, he and the Father and the Holy Spirit also decided that in that same afternoon when they paid the price for our sins, they also paid the price for your healing and for your financial blessing. They chose to include it in the same redemptive act. They chose to include it. I didn't choose it. I probably wouldn't have thought about it. All I would have thought about was just get this sin thing taken care of. Right? If you could just do something to get this sin out of the way between me and you, good deal. Just get this taken care of. And I will agree with you, that's the most important thing. No question about it. But they didn't leave it at that. And don't let anybody talk you out of the rest of it. They decided to include the other two benefits in the same redemptive act. On the same afternoon that Jesus paid for your sins, he paid for your healing, and he paid for you to prosper financially. He brought you into that place of their will and their love and their grace. Their grace. It's all by grace. It's all by unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. Right? That word grace there means in the Greek text, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. It also means favor and benefit. It is the same definition that we read on the blessing back in Proverbs 10.22. Why would it have the same definition? Because the same God that wrote Proverbs 10.22 wrote 2 Corinthians 8.9. Through his death, he included the benefit of financial increase along with forgiveness and healing. I got to finish up. God's blessing is compared to a river. This, that river is here. It is flowing in the kingdom of God. What stops you from getting in the river? Number one, you have to decide to get in. You know, when I was a lifeguard back in college, I was lifeguarding a pool here in town. There was a little boy who came to our pool every day for I don't know how many weeks with his friends. I can still see him, cute little guy, about five, six years old. His friends would all get in the water, play and everything. He'd just sit on the side. His friends would say, come on, come on, get in. And he would actually say, no, I like it out here. <laughs> out here was 105, bub. <laughs> and I would watch him, right? Because my, my thing, I'm standing there, I'm just looking at him. I say, why don't you get in the pool? <laughs> now, you know, I think about that, kid. When I think about the Christians, right? Here's the river. But you've got to decide to get in. Somehow he had convinced himself that it was better on the deck. Well, he had a little swimsuit on. He's like a lot of God's children. They're born again. They got their little swimsuit on. But somehow they've allowed themselves through family or tradition or people or this or that or whatever to convince them that it's better up on the shore. Oh, it's better in the river. But you've got to decide to get in. Amen? You've got to change your thinking about whether or not God wants you to prosper. God wants you, child, to 
prosper. You want your kids to prosper? How many of you want your kids to make less money than you've made? Oh, 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 oh. Oh, I've waited all day to do that to you. Amen. <laughs> that was great. I hope we had that on camera. That was beautiful. No, how many of you want your kids to do better than you've done? How many of you want your kids to do better? Of course you do. If you then being evil know how to get good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to his children? Why are we still struggling with this? Get in the river. You gotta change the way you think about it. Why? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Everything produces how after its own kind. Number two, you gotta change your words. You gotta change what you're saying. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You gotta change your words. You gotta change what you're saying about your life financially. You gotta change your words. Look, I've got these for you. We've got a bunch of them. They're confessions for finances. English on one side, Spanish on the other. I would encourage you to get these when you leave tonight. We've got them in the information centers. I don't take 50. <laughs> but begin to speak these over your life. Begin to declare this over your life. Begin to, because what it does, it renews your mind. It gets your heart focused. It gets your soul in line. It gets your mind, your believing, going in the right direction. Amen? So use that. Change your words, right? Change what you expect to happen in your life. Change what you expect to happen. This is what gets you in the river. You change what you expect to happen. You know, when I jump in that pool, I expect to get wet. When I jump in the river, I expect to go in the flow. I expect life to get easier, right? I'm going to float with the river. I'm going to quit walking down the shore. I'm going to float in the river. <laughs> God's favor, God's benefit, amen? Adds no sorrow to it. Change what you expect to happen, right? Open yourself up to possibility. It scares some of you. I can feel it. It scares you. That's how I don't want to be disappointed. So because you don't want to be disappointed, you have no hope at all. What you got to lose? Huh? You know, after about three weeks, that kid one day, finally, one of his little friends, and this was against the pool rules, but I let it go that day. One of his little friends got out and came up behind him and went, spoosh. He came up. <gasps> For the rest of the summer, he was the last kid out of the pool every day. Had to pull a kid out to get him out of the pool. Boy, he made up for lost time. Right? See, open yourself up to possibility. See yourself, see your family in a bigger world. Huh? Some of you, some of you, you've been so programmed, you don't even dream. You won't even go look at nicer things. You, you, you won't even, you won't even think about it. When I talk about you all going to Disneyland, you laugh. <laughs> I'm not even sure preacher should be going to Disneyland. <laughs> well, I'm going. As soon as my grandkids can walk, I'm going. We you know would be fun is if I saw you there. instead of being willing to put up with Western Playland. <laughs> Open yourself up. Right, you come to church and you say, God is on my side. Amen. Is he? No, no. Is God on your side? You trust him.
to get you to heaven, can you not trust him to increase your life financially? To me, the harder one is getting me to heaven. The easier one is blessing me down here. I got to stop. Is there anything good tonight? Amen. Would you give him a great hand clap tonight? Stand your feet with me, please. Let's pray. Now, next week, come with your notebook, paper, because my son Jared is going to come in and lay down the track for you to put your train on. Amen? And begin to move forward. Let me tell you a little story about Jared, okay? All of his life, and I mean from a little guy, a little guy, his brain has tracked on saving money as a little guy. When he was 10 years old, he had a box in his closet that he thought I didn't know about. (laughs) And in that box at 10 years old, he had already saved $2,000. I think he robbed a 7-Eleven. Because I don't know where, I didn't have $2,000. I don't know where. But what he did was every dollar anybody ever gave him for grades or birthdays or anything like that, the kid saved it. I mean, he's just tracked it and he's got a brain that works like that. And he's going to help you a lot. All right. He just tracks. I got to be honest with you. My brain doesn't track that way. My brain tracks this way. So I'm doing this part. He's doing that part. So his brain tracks that way. And to be honest with you, my brothers and sisters, you need this. Some of you do. Some of you already done it, but some of you need, you need somebody to sit down with you and show you how to get from A to B so that as God's river takes you, you can take the most, you can take the most advantage of it as you get to each point as God takes you forward so you can work with the river instead of swimming crossways to the river or worse, swimming upstream from the river. Amen? Amen. So, how many of you going to be here next week? You going to be here next week? Pencils, paper? Amen? You got to come ready. Lift your hands. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on teaching materials or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com or charlesneeman.com.